Hello there and welcome back to the Chat Shit Get Fit, the fitness news where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill and as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Hello, Tom. This week, we're going to take a closer look at the lazy diet and why apparently it's the only diet you'll ever need. We're also going to look at lifting weights to improve flexibility. And we're going to look at a topic which has blown up massively on social media. Um, it's going to be very exciting to get into. And that is Lucky Charms are healthier than steak. Let's get into this week's The Fitness News. Before we get going, Tom, uh, is there anything you want to add to the podcast or before we get going? No, no. I've got to behave myself this week, mate. I'm, uh, as you can see, if you're watching on camera, I'm not at home. I've just realised, actually, if you look on camera, it looks like I'm actually in a prison cell. Yeah, I was about to I'm say, not in like a prison cell. Prison, it does look like, like a prison cell. I promise you I'm not. <laughs> um, if I was in prison, they've got a sick selection of Lego bricks. But no, I'm actually back at home. Uh, when I say home, I'm house-sitting my mum's house at the moment while she's on holiday. So I've got to behave myself. The neighbours are well aware of what I'm like as I grew up here, pretty much. Actually, in this very room, this used to be my room. You look very covert, like you're like hunched over, like it's trying to be quiet. <laughs> well, you've got to remember, mate, the last time I lived in this bedroom, I was 15 years old. And in fact, for those that are watching on uh, camera, you can see a set of cupboards up there. Can you see them, Bill? Oh, they're old school, those. Yeah, they're yeah, old I got school. stuck in those once. I thought it'd be really funny to hide in them. And uh, yeah, I got stuck in them and I had to be pulled out. Which ironically goes wow. well if this was a prison story. It's like a really shit version of the Shawshank Redemption. I love the way you said no when I asked you if you got anything to add and you've now gone on to like a full-on tale of how you're basically in your bedroom <laughs> or a prison no, cell. I'm giving you insight into what life was like for me as a young boy Very at exciting. 25. The question is, Tom, when you were a young boy, weren't you lazy? Um, no joke, I fucking was actually. I can't even lie. <laughs> well, Tom, I've got a diet that is going to be perfect for your 15-year-old self. And that Ooh. is the lazy diet. So guys, it's another week and it's another men's health article. As you know, we absolutely love it. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll read you the first extracts of this article to give you a bit of context uh, to why they've written it and why they think this lazy diet is going to be superior for everyone in 23. Um, so I quote, Too many diets set high, unachievable standards, then blame you for failing to meet them. Not only are those instructions bullshit, but they stress you out. That's why we've created a simple, way more realistic guide to help you eat better without all the absurdity. The Lazy Diet is a surprising, easy, and totally satisfying way to eat right. Here's how to follow it. I mean, that's a very casual thing to put on a... <laughs> I was reading that thinking, like, for a men's health article, it's quite... Um, well, first of all, when I saw the show notes and I saw a link to men's health, straight away I was like, oh no, here we go. And <laughs> anything go that involves diet usually is like, yeah, an absolute cesspit of bullshit. But... Mm. Actually, it's not too bad. Yeah, and as I was reading, I was like, yeah. I, I do a lot of this stuff that's mentioned in the article, and it's actually not bad advice. Um, I wouldn't even call it a diet, to be honest with you. It's just more convenient food. But a name did stick out in the article. I don't know if it did for you, and it starts to make sense. And one of the names that does stick yeah. out is Dr. Nadolsky. Dr. Nadolsky, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he is actually an obesity specialist. So it kind of makes sense that actually I'm actually agreeing with a men's health article for once. Um, we'll go into their steps. We, I mean, we've left a couple out. So if you do want to see the full article, it will be linked down in the show notes. But we've kind of gone into the main the main points we think yeah. that you're, uh, that'll be pertinent. So the first one is embrace ready-to-eat meals. Okay. Mm. Um, so as they rightly say, a lot of these appeal to nature 
esque diets, as I like to call them. They will tell you to avoid these ready meals, as it were, okay? Because if you go down the whole world, like the whole rabbit hole of ready meals, historically it was always like your curries, your little your pre-packaged tikas <laughs> that you get in your supermarket. Yeah. Um, the the more highly higher processed when we spoke about processing last week, didn't we? But the more higher processed foods sometimes is the case. But as we're going to go into, that's not always the case when it come comes to a ready meal. As for example, if we look at, I mean, there's de- we're going to go into the different categories, but these days when you think of a ready meal, it's not as I said the little processed tikka things. There's a lot more healthier options you could say potentially a higher price tag as we'll, as we'll talk about but there's a lot more options out there which make a ready-to-eat meal essentially a convenient way to get some healthy food in obviously it comes at a cost as i just said but it's not what you historically think of as a ready meal so don't think we're telling you to smash loads of tesco ready meals we're yeah. not um because obviously as they said a lot of these you know the keto the carnival lot they'll start kicking off saying oh my god you're having blah, blah, blah. i mean you personally bill like what's your bias here like when you hear the word ready meal what's the first thing yeah. that pops into your head the first thing i think of is, is a curry like a little same. pre-packaged curry in a, in a supermarket yeah, <laughs> same. I, think. yeah. yeah. I, I instantly think of um because to me it is one of my go-tos if i'm in a rush so i go to as and i get one of their like um you know ready meal curries which actually ain't bad at all but I also think of things like old, like the tiny portioned but highly calorie dense, low nutritional, like lasagnas and stuff like that. Mm. You know, the ones that are like yeah. really heavily processed. So, you know, off the bat, I do, you could like just hearing the word already meal, it could be quite stigmatizing, but actually not really in the context of what is classed as a ready meal in this article. So, we mentioned uh, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky um, having an input, and they sort of did a quote from here, from here when he spoke about you know embracing ready to eat meals. Was and I quote, This stuff can be nutritious and pre portioned, which automatically reduces calories without thinking, which is fair, fair enough because when people sometimes portion up their own meals, you can get a little bit, um, what would be the word? A bit rogue with the ladle, maybe. Yeah. With the uh, the old spatula, maybe you get a bit with the chips. You, you instead of a hundred grams of chips, you've got a kilo of chips. Whereas when it's ready made, it's been pre-portioned, good to go um, for what they think you need. Okay. So if we go through the list then, Tom, of what they they set out basically a day of embracing ready to eat meals. So for breakfast, pre-made drinks. Um, we'll go through these actually individually, Tom, because pre-made drinks, my mind straight away goes to a morning shake or even shul, which is a very popular. Yeah. Um, they've got ready to drink now. It's a very popular option. And I don't think they're bad at all. If we look Huel, for example, Tom. Still gunning for that uh, sponsorship. Right, great. Pipe down. Yeah, pipe, pipe, <laughs> pipe down. Right. One day one day we'll get that Huel sponsorship. They're too busy fucking around with Diarrhea CEO at the moment. Yeah. Fuck's sake, fuck them off. Get over to some, <laughs> some proper podcasts. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's a good podcast. But um, so Huel, I automatically think of, it's a drink. It's got 20 grams of protein, I believe. It's 400 calories. And it's full of all the micronutrients you need um, in a day, essentially, or most of them, I would mm. say. I don't, don't quote me on that. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's a very well-balanced meal in a shake form. And that's a very easy breakfast you can have. Grab and go, done. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those? What are your thoughts on those those pre-made drinks for breakfast, Tom? Yeah, that's fine. Some people might get the idea and kind of think, wait, isn't this pretty much like herbal life? Isn't this pretty much Slimming World, etc.? And it's like, no, not really, <laughs> because it's not selling you a specific product, is it, from a specific brand? It's just saying there's the option here that actually you could have some form of breakfast shake. Um, and I do it sometimes. I'll have a protein shake on the go and it's mm. easy and convenient. It fills me up and it's nutritious. And some of them actually can be quite low in calories anyway. So yeah, it's not like uh, on the spectrum of like, um, oh, we're, we're specifically trying to tell you to drink this certain brand. It's just simply saying actually a quick uh, protein shake, etc., 
you know, could be quite convenient. And some of them can actually be quite cheap as well. I mean, places like Asda, um, wherever else, you know, Tesco, sometimes it's a part of like meal deals, etc. But um, yeah, they can be quite quite cheap and quite nutritious so yeah i'm absolutely fine with it i also think when they when you think of pre-made drinks as i said you, your mind goes to something that's like bought from a shop but you could also look at it from the angle of you it could be pre-made as in the night before you make yourself a little shake leave it in the fridge and in the morning you just grab it and go so you can make your own one essentially yeah it's technically still pre-made you've made it the night before it's in a nice convenient way of getting the food in in the morning so yeah um, yeah exactly and I think that's a good recommendation. If we move on to lunch then, Tom, they've said try soup. So they're not talking about your typical tomato soup. For example, the stuff they recommended was, one was an organic plant-based vegetable lentil and roasted red pepper soup. And that yeah. had 14 grams of protein and eight grams of fiber. Um, I don't know about you, Tom, but I've started to see an emergence of a lot of these funky soups now where they are actually are packed quite nutri- like more nutritionally dense instead of just a plain cream of tomato sauce uh, cream of tomato soup sorry or a vegetable soup or you know a basic pea soup there are actually a lot of stuff going in there so you actually get quite a good meal in a can i mean i'm not shilling for asda i promise you <laughs> but once again like asda do like some really good ranges of like uh cheap soups um really tasty really nutritious as well there's like a chinese noodle one um and there's like a, a whole wide range of flavors i get like People like oh, I say, people. Some people can be obsessed with the whole idea of like, well, isn't it all processed? It's like, well, since it goes into a package, it's fucking processed. But once again, it's a very convenient thing. Don't get me wrong; you could bulk make your own soup and keep it in the fridge and just pour it into I don't know a flask or whatever for the next day, and that's convenient. But the whole point of this is that it could just literally be grab and go, you know, mm, or for people that don't have the necessary yeah. skill sets to cook their own soup, or the necessary mm. tools or ingredients or time. Yeah. So yeah soups on like a shelf wicked yeah and i said a lot of them are getting more dense now because protein is obviously an issue for a lot of people and if uh, normally a soup historically wouldn't be associated with high protein but 14 grams is not really that bad for a for a lunch little soup so and if you if you're dipping bread in there as well get a bit more in as well so that's another thing is you can actually combine two convenient see spoiler alert but the whole point of this i don't want to call it a diet i wouldn't say this is a diet it's actually just a just a convenient way to eat because who's to say that your your diet has to habitually consist of this all the time it could just be like a one-off like uh, if, if you're in a rush you could just simply pick up quick simple nutritious food off the shelf that's pre-made or it could be one of those things where it's like you know at work sorry bear me one second sorry mate. weird fucking text okay ignore that Weird text. God, you've got to elaborate now. You can't say weird text. Then. <laughs> what do you mean no, weird text? No, I can't. I'll just leave it a mystery. That is very no, you strange. Can't do that. I'm going to have to fair. lock my doors in a bit. Um, right. Is it from your neighbour? It's not your neighbours, is it? You were gobbling off about them earlier. No, no, no. They're fine. They're fine. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, oh, God, right. Yeah, like uh, you, you can combine these food sources together. So it doesn't just have to be the soup. It could be the soup with a slice of bread. Or... What else is considered like a ready meal in this article? Things like um, packed meats, meats that are already mm. in a wrapper. You can, it's already been cooked, cooked meats. So throw it into a, throw you it into can open soup. up your soup and just chuck in some already cooked chicken out of a pack. Chuck it in there and there you go, you can combine it. That's bloody nutritious. If your soup's got loads of vegetables in it, lots of fibre, and you're now adding a big protein source, a lean meat as well, you know, happy days. 
And if we go on to dinner then, they say try canned fish. That kind of just links back to we said about obviously getting a tinned uh, soup, canned fish. So they're talking about your your cans of tuna and stuff. And, and the great thing of those, they are obviously very convenient. They can be very lean. Depends if you get one with, I don't know, sunflower oil or if it's just spring water or brine, whatever. That'll impact the nutritional um, contents of that, that thing. But the point is, is it's very convenient. You can very easily make a good meal out of that. For example, jack of potato, Tom. Split open a jack of potato, put a can of tuna on it. You've got a very good meal there. If you put some butter in there yeah. as well, you've got a good macro split in a meal and it's very convenient obviously like a jacket potato obviously is not very convenient you obviously got to cook it but you get the point I get your in terms point of, though I mean look you yeah. get those um, Uncle Ben's microwavable rice packs yeah where you can crack my doughs open you cook that and open up your tuna or whatever or even your chicken uh, in fact when I when I, when I worked on um, night shift years ago I'd go into Tesco beforehand. I used to get those. It was like an Uncle Ben's. It was like a little rice pot you'd put in a microwave. It had it came with a sauce, okay. but yeah. there was no meat inside it. It was just like saucy yeah. rice that you'd mix together. But I'd buy that with a pack of pre-cooked chicken. And I'd just cook, mm. throw that both in the microwave and in three minutes, mix it together. I've now got sweet and sour chicken with rice. So yeah. once, so yeah, I get your sentiment. You can just add those convenient things together and boom, off you go. That's, that's something I like to do as well. So... Um, if you obviously listen to last week's episode, you know we spoke about fake meat and stuff. Obviously, I don't personally, like if I'm obviously following that vegan diet, I don't want to have fake meat every meal. I like to make it a bit more whole food plant-based. When you go into the supermarkets now, they've got a great range of these sachets where it's like lentils mixed with something else or it's like a super Mediterranean mixed thing or something in a sachet. But in that bag, there's about 20-odd grams of protein in there loads of good carbs obviously to support my training and then if I want to have another fat sauce I can add something else in there as well but the point is it's a very convenient meal for me I haven't got a slave over a fucking hob cooking lentils one one pan cooking some rice another pan cooking yeah. some veg in another pan it's all in a sachet good to go heat it up in a pop or in the microwave and yeah it's fire and forget off you go <laughs> yeah exactly yeah which is yeah really good if you've got a busy lifestyle um, and of course Breakfast, lunch, or dinner is not going to sustain most people. You're going to need some snacks, aren't you? Um, and the things they mention are like bags of nuts, which is a really good one, actually. They've got pistachios without the shells because we all know pistachios are amazing. But if you've got the fucking shells on, it takes like <laughs> about an hour to get into one. Yeah. You've got to like use another shell That's to get into that one. That's the of convenient. <laughs> yeah. Unless so you're yeah, some I'm kind of like shell-picking ninja. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mate, I reckon if you YouTube it, there's definitely going to be like a pistachio shell peeling fucking competition isn't it it'll be in the guinness book of records somewhere yeah this feels like it's something we should pull up right this second like what is the most pistachios peeled in a minute go on bill i'll let you do it. you've got the faster internet most pistachios um, I mean, i'm trying to think about how many i could probably do in a minute i feel it depends on a lot of factors like would you warm up beforehand would you peel an orange as a warm-up do you have to have your fingers warmed up five sets of peeling pistachios pistachio 100 oh here we go i've got one now tom the goal is to open and eat 100 pistachios as fast as possible. The top score on this little table is someone called Brett Whitelaw. He done it in four minutes, seven. And how many did he eat? 100. He de- 100. de-shelled oh, and ate. Oh, sorry. De- yeah, seen. yeah, he de-shelled and ate 100 pistachios in four, just over four minutes. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't reckon I could do that. Well, yeah, that's impressive that. Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> besides, even if you could do it in four minutes, you could do it a lot quicker if they are already de-shelled. De-shelled. So buy, buy, buy them without the shells and you get a nice convenient pack of pistachios, which, which are delightful. Um, Sounds like a good way to cheat if you are going for a record. Mix those <laughs> yeah, exactly. in with the shelled ones. <laughs> yeah. Up your sleeve. Uh, addition to your nuts though, guys, we can get salami bits, cheese and pretzel bites. I see what so, you did there. 
in addition to <laughs> your nuts, you've also got your salami. To, oh, yeah. A schlong oh, I like it, did you? I did. Oh, did, did I like it? Oh, behave yourself. <laughs> um, right. So they're basically, as Tom mentioned, like pre-cooked meats there, like salami bits, cheeses, obviously, you just have cheese and pretzel bites. You can get all sorts of flavours. They're quite an easy snack. So, um, yeah, if you're getting hungry, chomp on a salami, have some nuts, and away you go. CD's a good uh, snack. Oh, here we go. I'm not going to fall for that, Tom. <laughs> you know, are you, you can't get me, mate. You can't get me with that shit. Would have been good, though. Should have done it for the sake of the been. podcast. So that was their sort of daily recommendation for ready-to-eat meals. We'll move on to the next one, which is kind of in you know similar vein. Um, they talk about meal delivery slash prep services. Now, there's different types to these. Um, meal prep literally is like you can eat it um, or you can heat it up. So basically, it's not you making your own meals because that's not convenient at all, is it? If you have to do your own meal prep, it basically means you can buy, I've seen this all over the internet now, Tom, you can buy these pre-made meals. They're like, you've got the meal prep company or whatever, and they'll send you basically a Tupperware with a meal good to go that you can eat cold or you heat it up in the microwave. Um, These can be expensive, I'll be honest. I've seen them for like six, seven pounds a, a, a meal which is obviously not cheap, but it's very convenient because it's a freshly made meal. It's not like a ready meal. It's a meal they've made themselves, put it into a Tupperware, and then you just obviously heat it up and eat it. Bear me one sec. I've got to try and find something. Oh, fuck's sake. I can't fucking find it. Never mind. There was like a meme uh, a couple of years ago about, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Icon Meals, which like a, a gym bro, you know, protein, everything, meal prep service. And they did like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And it, it was just that. It was like the most expensive sandwich. sandwich ever. A single sandwich. A, a single peanut sandwich. Butter jelly sandwich. Yeah. And one of those gym meme pages, I can't remember who it was. It might have been gym sales or someone like that. I, he actually went and purchased one just for the sake of putting it onto his stories. It was the most prophetic looking thing ever. Bless him. That's the audacity of that though, to charge someone six, seven pounds for a fucking PB&J. PB&J, yeah. I well, can't find the bloody picture of it. I really hope it was Icon Meals because I've said it now. But yeah, like it was now. pretty. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, but obviously that example is obviously atrocious. But you can get better ones than that, where it'll be like a full-on meal in a, in a thing, good to go. Um, there is an alternative to this, which could be a little bit cheaper, and that is a meal delivery sort of. Um, service where they'll send you like HelloFresh for example who are in the UK well they'll send you a recipe kit it's obviously not convenient in the sense you've obviously got to prepare the meal and cook it from scratch it can take a little while however it means you haven't got to go shopping you haven't got to find out what you're going to have for food you haven't got to walk around a supermarket trying to find all of these ingredients you've got it all pre-packaged into the quantities you need to cook it so there'll be five grams of the seasoning there'll be a handful of basil there'll be one onion there'll be two cloves of garlic there'll be things like that so you all you've got to literally do is follow the instructions verbatim so that's another option you can go for yeah um it's obviously a bit more cost effective as well because i said those pre-packaged tupperware ones while they're good if you're if you know you're in a bit of a rush then it works for example um i don't know if he still does anymore but our friend uh, sam tom there's a period where he was like super busy um and he actually him and his fucking mind of money he was actually thinking right how long does it take me to get the food cook it blah blah blah, blah. what would be cheaper for me to buy these meals which cost seven pound to go or for me, like basically trying to work out his time, what his time was worth. He was like, well, actually, I can get more work done, which will make me this much more money if I buy these meal prep things instead of wasting the time buying the food and cooking the food. So I can see where that would make sense. Yeah. If you, you know, you're trying to save as much time as possible, it might actually be worth more of your money. Obviously, it depends on how much money you're making and <laughs> what you're doing as a job. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, one um, of the downsides the is that it, it's probably not 
financially reasonable, realistic for everyone. Not long term. I wouldn't say yeah. long term. No, definitely not long term thing. If you get used to it, once again, we can we we can talk about this later. Actually, with the education stuff, but yeah, long term, it probably wouldn't be um, recommended. The next one is even more expensive. <laughs> uh, the point of the, uh, sort of a spoiler alert here. If you want to make if you want to have a lazy diet, and make things more convenient. It normally comes at a cost financially, which is to be understood. Like if you're doing less than you need to, and someone's doing it all for you, it's probably going to cost a bit more money. Um, and this next one is no exception. It, they say hire a dietitian or hire a professional. So let someone else do the job is what they say. Um, it's very expensive, but yeah. it can literally take away the stress of having to deal with your nutrition journey, if you want to call it that. Um, I'd probably say I don't know if you'd agree, Tom. I'd say this is more reserved for a high-performing individual. Yeah. Someone who's maybe in an athletic situation or someone who is, you know, top of their game, business, whatever, because it's going to be expensive. Or just financially able to do it. Or, yeah, because it's going to be very yeah. good. If you have a top dietitian on your side basically saying, look, you've told me you want to do this, you want to feel like this, blah, blah, blah. Here is exactly what you need to eat. This is what you need to do. You haven't got to think then. You just follow it and go. I mean, some of these kind of like the meal prep services um, and a, like a dietitian, etc. This does sound like it's more for people who are, who are a bit more financially secure to be able to do that. Mm. Um, I yeah. think, I think a the idea of getting more convenient foods like this will benefit people who are the opposite, who aren't as you know, who who aren't as like a flush with cash. You know, mm. this is for people who like don't have as much time to cook, or may not have the money to buy like all these single ingredients, etc. Who may not have the uh, skills, education to actually like um, know much about nutrition. Who already actually buys off the shelf ready meals or fins up like we'll just go in the oven, like I don't know fish fingers or whatever, something really simple like highly processed foods. Um, yep. Actually, it's like you can still kind of have the convenience of just banning something in the microwave or even banning something in the oven but there's probably more nutritional nutritionist ways you could do that i.e you're buying it as like a, a single meat product so as we said like a can of tuna or you know chicken or whatever else and then you can combine that with something like a microwave or rice etc so actually mm. you're still buying the individual components ain't necessarily single ingredients like you've got to buy every individual spice every individual different type of like dressing etc you're still buying singular components but it's very quick easy convenient things that just get banned into a microwave i think it benefit those kind of people more yeah i think well you kind of touched on there the next bit they, they talk about and that is putting the supermarket to work uh, and what they mean by that is well the, the way i interpreted this would be things like rotisserie chicken yeah um because that goes hand in hand with what i just said pretty much yeah exactly so i mean yeah it's a great great follow-on because yeah they can last a while it's been cooked for you normally really tasty as well actually and use take it take it home you put it in your your fridge whatever and you just basically cut it up as you need um, add it to meals like tom said so that's a that's a really good option use a supermarket to your advantage because they do often have these little counters like deli counters whatever or the yeah rotisserie chicken counter in most uh like tesco's and stuff yeah. i've seen and that's that's quite an easy option for you uh this last one <laughs> bring it back pb and j again <laughs> they've literally put when in doubt pb and j i mean first thing i thought of tom when i saw this it reminds me of that uh do you remember that game changers bloke gobbing off about protein and peanut butter oh. <laughs> do you remember that when I he was the like quicker we forget it. about anything game changers related <laughs> the better it was quite funny though wasn't it he was basically gobbing off saying that, um it's got the same as steak or something wasn't it he was saying like it's yeah you 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 try getting 40 grams of protein through regular peanut butter you crack on with that yeah uh, yeah better bring but, your but, shovel but, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't want to uh, insult your intelligence, guys, but obviously peanut butter is predominantly a fat source. So if you have 40 grams worth of protein of it, your calories are going to be very high yes. compared to another protein source. So, yeah. <laughs> that, do, do you know what, though? It's the, it's the way that it's worded. So literally anything could be a fucking protein source. Yeah. If it's got 0. 0.00001 gram or fucking milligram, you could say a source you know, protein. It's a source protein. I mean, there is, is probably a legality. No. There, there is probably a legality behind it. They probably have to have a probably certain is, amount. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you could just put like. That's why when we're going to supermarkets, we see source of protein in big letters, and you look on the back and you're like, seven is grams. Is it fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing in it. Um, but the, the point they're trying to make is when in doubt, PB and J is because it's it's calorie dense, isn't it? There is yeah. there is some good nutrition to it as a, as a whole. Like a, a, a PB and J sandwich is not going to be that but it's very convenient isn't it to get some good calories on board just to clarify i do like a peanut butter and jam sandwich <laughs> all the american listeners have just kicked off going no it's jelly fucking jelly does it wobble <laughs> does it wobble does it wobble <laughs> i don't know i've not seen their jam. It we saw their wobble, gravy, it's mate. not a jelly mate we saw their fucking gravy god knows what their jam looks like that's true yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> not going to that rabbit hole again. We caused enough of a shitstorm last <laughs> time we brought up fucking American food. Gravy gate. God. Yeah, gravy gate caused a shitstorm on social media. Anyway, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll move on um, <laughs> to the next little, little section. So this one is more of, um, I would say this is more just making ease of life, making things a bit easier for yourself instead of having to, to worry about things. So the first point they've made is instead of a kitchen scale, use your hands. So they said per meal, aim for a palmful or two of protein, one fistful of fiber-rich grains, two handfuls of produce, and one or two thumb-sized servings of good fats. Um, so essentially, it just helps you if you you know don't want to get obsessed with scales or you don't want to keep whacking out your scales every time. Just, just keep it simple. simplifies it. Yeah, it just keeps it nice and simple. The next one is instead of a calorie counter, use the color spectrum. Yeah. So um, if you're colorblind, you're obviously fucked, but uh, <laughs> we'll go on to what they actually say. So you want at least two colors from whole food sources. Uh, the fiber in those foods will help you fill up during the meal, capping calories naturally. So essentially, there we spoke about before, haven't we, Tom? How Eat you the want rainbow. you can the the volume. If you can increase the volume of your meal using you know loads of vegetables and stuff. You're you'll start to feel fuller, which means you you potentially could eat less calories and overall. Yeah. And your meal, and you're filling your plate up as well. To be fair, so not to mention the abundance of uh, you know micronutrients. Yeah, of course. Let's not forget those bad boys. Hmm. Those health boosting wonders exactly. um, yeah use use the colors if you're colorblind though um it won't work i don't really know what to say to them you got any advice for people who are colorblind or just blind in general um make sure that you have a friend that isn't colorblind don't be one of those people that only hands out with other colorblind people <laughs> you could have someone's pants down there though couldn't you <laughs> yeah you could what like handing someone a, a can of diesel and saying here mate here's your milkshake yeah <laughs> it was a joke <laughs> Yeah. Funny, weren't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke, right? Um, <laughs> giving them a hexi block and saying, "Here's your chocolate bar," <laughs> which is funny enough, is what some troops were doing to the kids in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. But you've got to get your laughs in at the end of the day. Like, if you're not sure what a hexi block is, it's a uh, means of igniting a fire. Um, <laughs> it's not meant to be consumed. <laughs> it's yeah. Definitely not meant to be consumed. I mean, you can uh, consume it; it's just not recommended. Yeah, I would recommend it. <laughs> That's it. That could be another Google. How many hexi blocks can an average man eat? There'd be a lot of military listeners listening, and they would have had to do that as initiation, hundred percent. There'd be blokes listening. I guarantee you, there'll be someone listening to this that will go, "I actually have eaten a hexi block." Yeah. Yeah. 
They won't have a stomach lift, but they will, they'll be able to reminisce. Next one, we're going to stay on the fibre train for the next one. So instead of tracking fibre, use the three, two, one method. So that's three cups of vegetables, two cups of fruit, and one cup of beans daily. I don't know if that's bad advice, really. That's not too bad, is it? It's quite a, it's quite a good way of thinking about it. It's quite easy, isn't it? It can seem like a lot for someone that probably hasn't really had much fruit or vegetables or beans in their life, yeah. but it's one of those things where it's like, actually it is quite doable and it it's added to your actual meals. I've actually, I've actually, no, no, honest to God, I've spoken to someone before. That's when we've spoken about all oh, your five a day. They, yeah. they, they generally thought that it's, you know, regardless of having that of an actual meal. Oh, so when I, separately. when I said, oh, like broccoli could be your five a day, they generally thought that they just had to eat broccoli by itself it's like no you can actually put that in whatever the fuck you want Let, let's use a bit of common sense as well obviously things like bananas and large apples if you can't fit them into your cup um that'll just count as a cup um if it's sticking mm. at the end you haven't got to cut it off the banana just <laughs> eat the banana <laughs> cut the end yeah. off <laughs> we're not expecting the world's tiniest banana yeah to, yeah to fit in your little mug you got a little yeah, espresso you mug. can break it up <laughs> yeah it's the normal mug um maybe not one of those sports direct mugs Oh god, the enormous! No, you never finish it. <laughs> you could probably fit the vegetables, the fruit, and the beans in one cup. Yeah, you get an apple orchard in there. You could get the three, two, one, all in one cup. Yeah, all in one cup. Yeah, it'd save a lot of time, though, wouldn't it? Be convenient, lazy diet. Yeah, there we go. Problem solved, guys. Obviously, we're going to talk about uh, a bit of the food compass later on, Bill. But uh, you know, maybe this oh, could be god. one of the new things in the UK. Is like, um, does it fit in the Sports Direct mug? Yeah, does it fit? There you go. Then that's your portion <laughs> for the day, not per meal, per day, <laughs> per day. <laughs> right um uh, and the last one is instead of focusing on the day look at the whole month so looking at the quality of your diet over the course of a 30-day period uh, they basically say it can take the pressure off of you know um, one or two days of less than ideal eating so everyone has a day or two or you know even more in a month period where they might let, let themselves go a little bit go have a bit of fun you know whatever social meals if you think of it over a month period in the grand scheme of it, if you look at a thirty-day period and you see you went off the off the off the rails for three days, it's not going to seem that bad when you've had twenty-seven solid days. Where if you mm. look at it every single day or by week, whatever, it can be quite daunting, can't it? I mean, the thing is as well, you haven't got to go all in with this. Remember, it's not necessarily a diet in the sense that all of your meals have to be at this pattern. But if you know that there is a particular pattern in your diet where it's like, okay, I eat less nutritiously at uh, certain points of day. So, for example people that are working on lunch and usually on lunch they might go and buy I don't know I'm going to go get a Subway I'm going to go get a McDonald's I'm going to go get a Birkin or KFC or I'm going to go get that you know sandwich from Pret-a-Mange or something mm. it's like not, not like I'm demonising those type foods but if you want something maybe a little bit cheaper and a bit more nutritious you can actually make the change there and say well actually there's a microwave in the office I'm going to go and just get like a yeah packet of microwavable rice or pasta you get fusually pasta now in pesto ready in the packet and get yeah, one of those and i'll get a meat sauce to go with it when i say sauce because my missus gets confused with this i say it all the time i say to her when oh when you go shopping can you bring back a meat sauce later and then she'll come back with like a dalmio ragu or something like, no, no when i'm in a meat sauce i mean like a sauce of meat like a uh, chicken or beef <laughs> just end up with saucy pasta with nothing to go in it <laughs> loads of ragu <laughs> Joe, you know i'd had a discussion with her not so long ago about what i meant by a meat sauce and in meat hindsight sauce, yeah, it's sure. my fault my fault because i've not clarified what i meant yeah, by that clarified, yeah. but um yeah. i'm doubling down anyway <laughs> doubling down <laughs> right uh just to just to really summarize that 
this sort of section, as, as Tom already kind of alluded to at the start, look, it's not a diet in itself. It's just recommendations to make things more convenient and easy for you mm. to make make this nutrition stuff a little bit less stressful because it can be a bit stressful and overwhelming, especially if you are a very busy individual with lots of other responsibilities. The last thing you want to think of is, fucking hell, I had my daily fiber, if I had my veg and fruit, whatever. This is a nice, simple way of these sort of steps. Some of them, I mean, some are obviously better than others. There's a couple of cons, I'd say, for some of it. For, for example... The ready meals um, and the meal prep stuff, while it is good, I think from an education point of view, um, I always like people to think about where they're getting their macros from, what sort of foods are working for them, what foods are providing them with X, Y, Z. And if you get very reliant on these meals that are already made up for you, you're kind of just going on autopilot. And let's say you get to a point where one day you aren't financially able to buy these meals or they're not available for you in an area you're in. You're kind of going to be like, oh, what the fuck do I do now? I'm so used yeah. to having it just sent to me in a package. Like, what what the fuck do I do? And then you could get a bit stressed about it. So um, maybe yeah. just be aware of what you're actually eating and aware of what's in there to begin with. I always think like, for example, I'll give you an example. HelloFresh, when I was doing that a while ago, I used their meal recipes and I thought, oh, this is a really nice meal. And I basically just looked at what was in there, how they kind of did it. And then I used it to influence my make my own meal. So I went and bought yeah. my own stuff or I made my own sort of version of it in a big bulk so I could meal prep it kind of thing. Um, so use them as kind of like guides and a bit of help, but I wouldn't just say rely on those things for life. No, I'd agree with that. And in day, if you can't, um, look, if you are if you can't or you're unable to do most of your own cooking, et cetera, then yeah, getting convenient food is going to help you. But I would always prioritise if, if you are able to, then yeah, it's probably best to prepare and make your own food and become more habitual in that. Right, guys, we are going to move on to the next piece of news. And this one is going to link quite nicely to something we spoke about last week when we spoke about one of the fitness trends for 23 in mobility apps and courses, etc. Um, so this uh, next piece of news is resistance training induces improvements in, res- uh, in range of motion. Kind of links, I mean, I, w- I just want to add, okay, that these, these two terms... F- flexibility and mobility okay they're often used in the same conversation but i want to just stress because it's quite interchanged they're not the exact same thing hmm. so if you're talking about flexibility that is defined as the ability of a muscle or muscle groups to lengthen passively through a range of motion whereas mobility is the ability of a joint to move actively through a range of mo- uh, motion but you'll sometimes probably see when people talk about these things is to have good mobility, you do often need to have good flexibility. So if you're like super infle- like not flexible at all, it does make <laughs> improving mobility a little bit more difficult. Goes hand in hand, basically. Yeah, they go hand in hand. But I just wanted to make that sort of clear because it can sometimes get a bit confusing. The terms sometimes get interchanged a bit and they're not exactly yeah. the same thing. And this, this paper talks specifically about improving the range of motion. So you could argue that it's applying to both in a way. Because, as I just said, flexibility is the muscle group to lengthen passively for a range of motion. And mobility is the joints to move actively for a range of motion. So they're both going through a range of motion. So just to make that clear, okay, this paper is obviously looking at all of it. As I said, we've got this brand new paper on this. So it's a systematic review and meta-analysis. And as the title said, resistance training induces improvements in a range of motion. So let me just go through this paper quickly and we'll go into sort of our key points in it. So this was... Um, This paper looked at either controlled or randomized control trials that separately compared the training effects of resistance training exercises, that's like lifting weights, etc., with either a control group, 
a stretching group or combined stretch and resistance training group on range of motion in healthy, that's important, healthy participants. Okay, so these weren't injured, they weren't like just off of injury or recovering, whatever, these were healthy participants, right? Uh, and the key points of this paper, resistance training, so lifting weights with external loads can improve range of motion to a moderate magnitude, which is mm. pretty good. Improvements in range of motion are not significantly different between resistance training and stretch training. So that what they're basically saying is if you were to do a series of stretch, a stretch cycle, a stretch training cycle and a lifting weight cycle, the improvements in that range of motion, there was no significant difference. Um, additional stretching prior to or after resistance training may not be necessary to enhance flexibility. And finally, stretch training can still be advocated as a fitness and training component for much of the population and included as a component of a warm-up prior to com uh, competition. So what they're not saying is that it's useless. Okay, let's, let's make yeah. that clear. They're not saying that stretching is a complete waste of fucking time. They're talking about it in the context of range of motion for general participants that there doesn't seem to be a big difference. So basically, what if we try and break this down into our own words a little bit more then, because that was kind of their key points. What they're trying to say is that resistance training alone provided you go through a full range of motion. So what I mean by that is, let's say we take the squat, Tom, half squat, full squat. If you yeah. want to see, um, if you want to sufficiently improve your flexibility, you need to do resistance training going through a full range of motion. So if you do a full squat, for example, let's say you do loads of full squats, whatever, that should be enough to provide adequate flexibility for most tasks. And I think in addition to that as well, I want to talk, because obviously this is about flexibility, but I would argue... Range of motion. I would much, I'd, range of, <laughs> I, I would argue, I, exactly, I would argue that um, I'd rather someone work on resistance training as opposed to just mobility training. So if someone said to me, okay, I want to improve my range of motion. Okay, let's rewind. Someone comes up to me, I want to improve my range of motion. I would rather they do resistance training as opposed to a mobility cycle or flex mobility and flexibility cycle, simply because when we do resistance training, we get other benefits, don't we? Get better band we can increase, Yeah, we can increase bone density, we get more muscle mass, we get stronger, we can basically become a more resilient human yeah. being. So I think, as Tom just said, you get more bang for your buck as opposed to just doing that specific range of motion training, which is, yeah, it's, it can improve your range of motion for sure, but you're not really getting anything else that resistance training offers. I don't know if you'd agree with that. No, no, I would agree with that. And my bias straight away is, well, I'd like to get someone resistance training. But that isn't us saying that. Stretching in the context of trying to improve someone's uh, range of motion is not useless. You know, it still has its applications. I mean, the first one being that, well, what if the person just simply likes stretching? And that's what they're going to most likely do for the rest of their life when it comes to exercise. Another one is um, you don't really need much equipment. You don't need a gym. I see people that do Zoom um, coaching online where it's completely equipmentless and sometimes it's with the elderly as well. People who could do it in the comfort of their own homes, especially when, as you get older, range of motion, flexibility, well, not so much, maybe, I don't know, could be wrong about flexibility, but range of motion as you get older is pretty important you will know you can lift your arm above your head to reach the top shelf, etc. You will know you can pick up your newspaper if you drop it. I'm being really ageist here by saying, you know, like, yeah, dropping your newspaper. No one reads newspapers anymore. It's all online. But yeah, like um, in that example, you don't really need much equipment. It's probably more accessible for a lot of people. People who, once again, may be financially challenged or strapped or just may not have interest in going to a gym. So it's not that... 
oh, well, you either do it through resistance training or you don't do it at all because stretching is shit compared to resistance training. So I don't know. It, it's depending on what tool you need to use for the job. You know, stretching is a useful tool. But for getting more bang for the buck, I would rather go for resistance training. Yeah, so they also spoke, didn't they, about how there'll be specific examples. For example, if you want to do something like the splits, specific uh, yes. you know, specific stretching routines will be required to enable you to do you know, the splits. Yes. Um, there's obviously specialist situations. We're talking about general range of motion improvements um, for most general yeah. applications as opposed to specialist stuff like the splits. No, 100%. Uh, that's another important point, mate. And that is, um, mm. depends where you want to build ROM and where you want to build flexibility, you know, interchanging the two there, which I probably shouldn't be doing. But like, uh, you know, if you wanted to have the range of motion that you could do a go split. into like an active split, you know, you're probably going to want to do more kind of yeah static stretching, you know, because mm. I don't know how much a squat is going to cross over to that. So with this study here, as far as I'm aware, no splits are involved. So once again, it depends on what are we actually testing for here. I want to move on, Tom, because something came in last week. Um, after last week, we spoke about mobility training, didn't we? Yes. Um, and we did talk about mobility apps. Obviously, you talk about improving flexibility as well. Um, and someone sent a message. I'm going to read it out as a quote. Um, I just want to add as well, this person does understand that things like time are barriers and you know that they were referring, in this conversation, they're referring to more elite people, so athletes, for example, but... They sent him, if you do want to be elite, then you can't do too much mobility, in my opinion. Every single athlete's book I have read has spoke about hours and hours of mobility every day. So a 15 slash 15 minute mobility warm up and 10 min post, I wouldn't knock. Firstly, I'm always very skeptical when it comes to what athletes say in their books because they are an athlete at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And most people who read an athlete's book are not athletes. And I mean, they might be an mm -hmm. athlete to a degree, but I mean, they're not if they've got a book, the person who's got a book, they're probably a very high-level athlete. A race car driver is not always necessarily an engineer. Exactly that. And that's that's what I was going to say because you know. I all these athletes they do it, or you see a lot. You see it on Instagrams and stuff. You see a lot of these athletes. They'll go through and do like these mobility sessions, and they'll do it every day, all day, whatever. Why are they doing it? Most of the time, they are sponsored. I'm not saying they're just doing it because of the money. Obviously, they you know they, they think feel like it's doing something for them, but they're not they're not going to sit there and look into the science of it and go, oh, is it is this is this routine worth it? Is this app actually going to help me out? They're just saying, all right, you're going to pay me to be a sponsored athlete of your mobility app. Cool. Yeah. Why why not? What's the harm in it? What's the harm? In it? There is no harm in it, but I'm, they're they're going to say that as well. They're not going to say no 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 because this study said resistance training can also give me a good range of motion. I'm going to turn down your tens and tens of thousands, whatever it is. So I could be being a bit dramatic here. But there could be a negative effect if some places so much importance on, you know, their their their, their ROM routines, etc., that they think to themselves, actually, I've not got enough time to do all my mobility work today. You know, I'm gonna chin the gym off, mm. you know. Or mm. you know what, I have got the opportunity to run here, but I can't also fit in the time to do my 15-minute mobility routine, so I'll chin that off as well. Personally, I have seen people who have uh, skipped particular exercises altogether because they can't squeeze in the extra 15 slash 20 minutes to foam roll. So there can be negative consequences depending on your belief system on it. They, they did understand that look, time, time is a barrier. Look, 
if, if you want to do it as we mentioned you know we echo what we said last week is if, if you want to do it you can you can do it for sure mm. however as we said you know, there are better bangs for your buck um always think about time as well like time is very important i think it's also important to clarify that um you're not going to lose all your mobility by not doing a specific rom you know based uh workout in a couple of days you know you can hold on to these uh you can hold on to your mobility it takes a bit of time to start losing it you know particularly if you're already playing a sport or doing a particular uh movement pattern which involves where you want that rum in the first place obviously that was a really interesting paper pretty brand new sort of added on to added to what we kind of were already sort of insinuating before um, if you obviously want to see the full paper we link down the show notes but we kind of already given you the key points there so hopefully you shouldn't have to otherwise we've not really done our job I mean in the spirit of critical thinking I want to say like it is good that papers like this are coming out because you know I used to be pretty anti-stretching a while back so I am glad to see that there is um, you know further research coming out to show that actually look there's applications for stretching here you know and it isn't always based around oh it's solely for injury prevention you know, there's other outcomes in mind here, you know, whether it be strength or ROM or flexibility, etc. Guys, before we move on to the lucky charms, healthier than steak, we're just going to do a quick shout out to our, our Patreons. Um, so there's a few of you guys out there, of course, we've got a big, an extra special mention to our big producer Colleen who uh, to my knowledge is definitely back from Newcastle now thank uh, god 100% 100% back from Newcastle now the negotiations went well they did go well yeah we had to use all of our uh, yeah. podcast power to get her out of there but she is now safe uh, I believe she's in Sunderland um, which I think is the same place that's anyway, no but... fucking good like <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally gone there next door um, out of the pan progress. into we'll keep... the pot <laughs> Yeah, we'll keep you, we'll keep you updated. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, obviously, thank you. Big thanks to those patrons. They obviously help support the run and cost of the mm. podcast. Um, but we do give them some little extras as well. So I'm just going to give you a little reminder about those extras because last week, you obviously, we alluded to it. Well, we didn't allude, we said it. We were in the Brewdog studio and we did have an extra special video for that. We did like a video of the day, including the entire podcast recorded. That is still on there. Um, if you want to get access to that, all you've got to do is sign up to the entry tier. Did that video include you destroying half of the studios, by the way? It did. It, it did include it that. Did, it did include yeah, me destroying half the studio. Yeah, yeah. I kept that in yeah. there. Yeah. There's a reason why um, we've not gone back <laughs> there this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're back in. Uh, we're back we in we are now. laying low for a while. <laughs> Brew dogs. Uh, they're coming after us. But um, <laughs> that full video is on there. Um, access to it, it says is the entry tier. It's something to do with the society that we do. We do in fact live in. Um, there should be a picture of me and Tom pointing at a picture, saying this could be you, um, and we do mean that it could be you. So if you want access to that video, go ahead. Join that entry tier. So I, I think it's like three pound fifty a month or something, which is not a lot. But obviously, to us, it means a massive deal, um, and it you know helps us to continue doing this mad little podcast. Um, we also do early access as well now. So this podcast, um, obviously, you'll probably be listening to this unless you are a Patreon. Listen to this on Monday onwards, but Patreons will normally get it a little bit earlier as well, uh, potentially on the Friday or over the weekend, so they can listen early knowing that they are the first people in the world to have listened to the next edition of the Fitness News, where it's even more mm. raw. Um, so it's very exciting. But yeah, we put all our little bonuses on there. So if you do want to get stuck into all of that, of course, go and check it out. Links in the show notes. Um, and hopefully we'll chat to you there very soon. And is it only £3? Three fifty for the first two, yeah. Three fifty, which is the equivalent to three and a half packs of Asda's 
ready meal microwavable rice. We could we could, we can use that money ourselves. We we could be we could be inundated with rice. We yeah. could, you know what guys? If you all if you all listen to this now, and uh, let's say five of you after this go and sign up to it, we will use all of that money to buy rice. And then the next episode, we will release a clip with us surrounded by this rice to show you that we have used your valuable Patreon fund to buy us some rice. So if five of you listening to this now who are not already signed up, get stuck in. We will go and buy some rice. Joe, we could do, if that works, we could just slowly have the rice in the background stacking up every stacking week. Up every month. And then when it eventually collapses, if we survive the aftermath, we could just donate it all well, to each other. I mean, got... <laughs> Guys, if that if that's not convinced you to sign up to the Patreon, I don't know what will. Um, if you want to see me and Tom surrounded by rice, <laughs> what rice? Where's it from? Sorry, Asda. Did you say? Of course, it's Asda. It's, it's always from Asda. Asda. Yeah, of course it fucking Asda is, price. Mr. Asda over here. Fuck Asda price. Yeah, right. Anyway, so if you want to see some Asda rice, um, yeah. But I used to up. be a Sainsbury's man, but uh, I don't like Jamie Oliver. What do you mean? He doesn't own Sainsbury's. No, but he's highly affiliated with them, and I don't yeah, affiliate with terrorists or Jamie Oliver. <laughs> Why are you insinuating that Jamie Oliver's a terrorist? I'm not saying he's a terrorist. I'm just saying that it's the same spectrum of people I don't like. <laughs> that's basically saying that he has got the characteristics of a terrorist. Um, I mean, he 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 could be. He terrorised school dinners for years. I was going to say he did remove the turkey twizzler. He, he did. did. Remove, that is yeah. that is an act of terrorism. I think that for is many kids around the world. Yeah, exactly. The world, there you go. Around, around the country. I mean, I'm not saying he's a terrorist. I'm not saying that because I could be held for defamation. <laughs> Do you remember when he fought, remember when he got those kids to watch him make a chicken nugget? It was like... Oh, you mean he terrorised them? Yeah, and they all went, oh, that's... He was like, oh, do you want to eat it now, do you? And they were like, yeah, right then. He was like, oh, and he got really sad. Burst into tears. Yeah, he got really upset. They, like, they, give, they didn't give a fuck, did they? They were like, okay, we'll still have it then. But yeah, all I'm saying is, you know, put two and two together. Come to your own conclusion. It's always kids, is always terrorising, isn't it? It's a bit nonsy. Yeah. Oh, fuck that, no. <laughs> that is that is Mo- libel. <laughs> Mo- moving swiftly on. <laughs> moving swiftly on. Um, guys, we'll, uh, we'll go on to the last piece of news, which has been some very hot news, actually. The hottest we've probably had so far. And that is Lucky Charms, Healthier Than Steak. Now, this is a bit of a social media shitstorm with this one. Um, and it did involve our dear friend, Joe Rogan, again. Um, don't worry. We're not going to go into him too hard um, as we don't want to get told off again. You know who you are. It's okay. <laughs> Relax. Breathe. Take a breath in. Um, but no, it, obviously, Joe Rogan, you've got a massive podcast. He's a really good podcast host in the, but unfortunately, sometimes he does have the tendency to jump onto things without looking into it. And he's not the only one. We're not saying it's him. This was a pretty big thing across social media in terms of um, people in this health and fitness space jumping onto it. He wasn't the only one, but he was one of the people who shared it, which is one of the reasons it got... A lot of traction, I could say. Joe, you know what? One thing I am going to quickly go back to is Joe Rogan. <laughs> right, okay. Go actually, on. I'm just going to clarify it. Like, I actually do enjoy some Joe Rogan, but I enjoy it in the sense that I like it when he talks to people like Quentin Tarantino, where he talks to other mm. actors, etc. Um, but you know, like he is entertaining, but that's where it ends. He's an entertainer. Sadly, his show like tends to attract like um, truth seekers. Etc. Conspiracy theorists, or or at least, or at least things that tend to attract conspiracy theorists. At least he's got a very heavy bias as well to the whole appeal to nature fallacy. So this is where my criticisms come into it. Is people need to take mm-hmm. what he says or what his experts say with a heavy pinch of salt, you know. And the thing is, he's, he's very gullible as well. He is very gullible. If you was to quickly put up a quick, rapid abstract of a PubMed, or you just sounded convinced enough, he's quite gullible. 
Yeah, especially if it's with his biases. Basically, if we go go forward to how it got into Joe Rogan's hands in the first place, we've got a sensationalist headline that was shared by Good Ranchers. Um, and just, just to sort of clarify, I'm not sure if I mentioned this later on, this company is a meat delivery company. Okay, so obviously they have a strong bias Um because they sell meat, that's their business, so for sure. Um, basically, they shared this headline that obviously subsequently Joe Rogan shared as well is new government-funded food pyramid says Lucky Charms are healthier than steak. And that is obviously a very sensationalist uh, headline. Um, they've actually got some charts here. So if we just uh, get Jamie to pull up that graph. Unfortunately, we don't actually have a Jamie, but that's a Joe Rogan uh, plug there. Um, we don't have if a Jamie. If the patron goes well enough, we could eventually hire our We could have a Jamie. Jamie. I, I can say, Jamie, pull up. I've always wanted to say it. Jamie, pull up that graph. Or buy Jamie our own Jamie up. from somewhere like the Philippines or I don't know. Buy our own Jamie. We're not going to endorse slavery. <laughs> <laughs> Just have our own little Jamie in the corner. He's leaving a box and pull him out on Thursday nights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd be well fed if we get enough rice and pasta from Asda. Oh, feed him Lucky Charms, apparently. Or Lucky Charms, yeah. <laughs> yeah Depends how buzzy we want yeah. to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. It'd be more nutritious, apparently. Jokes aside, I'm actually going to pull up a chart. Um, not Jamie, but I'm going to put it up myself. So... Uh, they shared this chart, which is actually from another study, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a map of the uh, Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> right. So ba- basically, this chart is like a mixture of all different foods, which is from this food compass, which we're going to go into. Um, it's got a list of foods, and they're all rated from zero to 100. 100 um, obviously being the best, zero being the worst. And they've got color coding. Um, so green would be to be encouraged, yellow would be to be moderated, and red would be to be uh, minimized. Um, and on this little chart, Lucky Charms is 60 and it's in yellow, and ground beef is 26, and it's in red, okay, along with cheddar cheese and whole egg fried and butter, they're in red. Um, and at the top of the uh, list in green, we've got like watermelon, kale, frosted mini wheats, unsweetened almond milk, non-fat frozen yogurt, chocolate covered almonds, orange juice with calcium, honey nut Cheerios, um, and dates. So it gives you a bit of context there. This chart was released with the sensationalist uh, headline, caused a massive shitstorm. So on first glance, yeah, you could say, this looks a bit odd, doesn't it? Um, mm. So and you can understand the company is a meat company. They've reacted emotionally without exploring the context. Just want to know they didn't make the chart. As I said, this chart comes from a study. So before we go into it, because I know Tom's got a lot to say about this, is the problem that this, this piece of news has had is that while, yes, it was initially shared by the Good Ranchers and then Joe Rogan and there was even people like Huberman will get him, you know, gobbing off in the comment section. Um, we then had a sort of retaliation from what you could call the evidence-based nutrition world, a lot of it. And even then, a lot of the um, rebuttals they were making, you could say were misinformed. And this is where it got very complicated because people were coming back at it saying, no, the data is actually saying this, you've got it all wrong, Joe, you're fucking stupid, blah, blah. But then a lot of, some of them have also misinterpreted it a little bit and they've kind of said something which wasn't you know wasn't exactly the case and this has caused other people to get involved we basically just had a backwards and forwards like a little circle jerk of fucking evidence gurus going at each other um for like the last week and it's been pretty chaotic to make hang i mean me and tom have only kind of just come to some sort of conclusion today literally before just before this podcast we've been going for it all week watching it unfold and there's been constant post after post after post from different people in, in the industry given their take on it and tom it's been a bit been a bit mad hasn't it yeah you could say that again um it is one big hot mess um and not just like the situation in regards to like the two crowns going at each other but the food compass in general um i mean yeah, the, the creators behind it tufts do pretty much admit that it needs to be improved um but yeah god where to where to begin in this i mean 
the food compass is basically where they got this whole idea from that, you know, Lucky Charms is healthy than steak. It comes from a proposed nutrient scoring system, which is called the food compass. Now, what they do is they use like an algorithm to look into the composition of certain food. And that means they look into, I mean, I've got it here. They look into yeah, the vitamins. They want to look into fiber and protein, phytochemicals, the amount of processing, additives, uh, lipids as well. So yeah, saturated fat, etc. And basically the algorithm does the, the rest. This is one of the problems of algorithms is that it hasn't got that, it hasn't got that human attention to detail where you can kind of see for the nuance. Now, they basically graded it, as you said, where it was like, yeah, what's it, like one, two, one, two, so basically one is like the lowest score. Like that yep. is like you should not yeah. eat as much of this food. This isn't really considered that healthy compared to 100, which is like, yeah, this is actually okay. This is this is healthy. We want to have more of this stuff. Now, the two sides of warring over basically is are you supposed to compare the food groups on that scale, like lumping it all cross, together? Cross categories. Yeah. yeah, do you do you do, it, do you do it across categories? Tom, do you want to just like quick? I just want to quickly make something important on this actual study. If you actually look at it, which obviously we linked to the show notes, is that they actually have different categories for like different stuff. So they'll have like a food meat category, they'll have a um, they'll have a vegetable category, they'll have a like grain. Like, they have all different categories. Yeah, grains and stuff. So they are all different categories. Um, and the argument, as Tom was saying, is that people are saying that one that was shared, the graph, which was made by that study, it wasn't actually part of the stuff that was made. They're saying, oh, they've combined it when they shouldn't have combined it because it was never meant to be combined. And that's where a lot of the kicking off has taken place. I mean, this is where it gets tricky because it's very hard to tell if it was actually supposed to be combined. And even, uh, because the thing is, there's there's separate things going on here. There's the actual Tufts food compass uh, paper, which details the actual compass itself. But then there was also the paper which was critiquing it, which is what um, the Jolly Ranchers website and Joe Rogan was kind of referring to. And uh, where do I begin with this, Bill? It is such a mess, it really is. But basically, the evidence-based crowd is saying that, no, no, no you weren't supposed to compare all the categories together. You're only supposed to compare within the categories. So, you know, you're only supposed to be comparing what's more healthy between, I don't know, salmon, beef, and other meat products. You know, you're not supposed to go, well, what about meat and cereal, which is what has happened here. It's supposed to be within categories. Um, I can have sympathies for both sides because the language of the actual Tufts study is very awkward and contradicting. Considering that this is supposed to be, you know, a proposal for like a new food scoring system, it's really hard to bloody read, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like um, Tufts released, they, they, Tufts released a frequently asked questions. How should the food compass be used in practice? And I quote, it should be used in the context of other guidelines and personal goals, goals to compare otherwise similar foods in terms of their overall contribution to health. So the key word there being similar foods. So you can read the Tufts website and say, okay, so obviously this is supposed to be compared within the actual categories itself. But then in the abstract of the actual paper, once again, by Tufts, it then goes on to say, summed into a final food compass score, whilst listing the numbers one Mm. to 100. So you kind of, it's up to you to translate there as far as I'm aware. It's up to you to translate, are we actually comparing this across food groups or not? Because the frequently asked questions are saying similar foods. And then the actual paper itself from Tufts is saying that, you know, it, it encompasses a, a total score at the end. And then there's graphs being released by fucking all sides. So the graph that the... Um, so another criticism from the evidence-based crowd 
was that like a the critique of the paper put up a graph which was shared by Joe Rogan, but the graph wasn't actually in the Tuff study itself. This is what the critique has made. So actually they've misinterpreted the data and they've made their own graph, which is comparing against all the food scores. But then again, if you actually go to the Tuff's website, you'll see that Tuff's themselves have done pretty much a similar thing. They've put up mm-hmm. their own graph that is, once again, like going across categories and it's colour-coded as well. So it's 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 one big hot mess, mate. It is one big hot mess. As you said, mate, it's like they've relied on algorithm, okay? And they've they've had their criteria, as you, you said at the start, the different things they looked at to decide what score it gets. Unfortunately, as you said, it doesn't take any nuance into account. It doesn't take any common sense into account. No. Um, and it doesn't really allow things like, if you look at it, say, to be encouraged, if we look at this chart that they this critique paper released, basically what they're saying to me here is to be encouraged. So my diet should consist of watermelon, kale, frosted mini wheats, almond milk, frozen yogurt, Cheerios, dates. Is that all I should be eating? I mean, there's not much protein there. That's basically what they're saying is I need to be encouraged. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's like, how I mean, do you interpret the data? are uh, concerning. I mean, for example, they've got things like, uh, what is it like Sweet potato crisps are actually ranked healthier than just grilled chicken breast, you know, without the skin as well. The only so- only way I saw any sort of like, okay, this makes sense, when when people were going, oh, they're not meant to be cross-category com- you know, comparisons. If you actually do look at the individual... Um, like the individual charts, it does make more sense. When you look at them separately, for example, it the idea which they were trying to say was it will give you, you can look at a category like grains and you can make a more a better decision on the grain you choose. Yeah. You can choose a, a healthier grain. Unfortunately, when they then go say you can cross it, it's like what value does that number have? What value is that 100 when if you compare it to something else, it's saying it's not as good or it's, yeah. it's much better. Like, what are the values of these numbers? And that's where it gets really confusing. Um, and that's where me and Tom have sort of run into a few. Uh, where, where obviously the algorithm's in control of this as well, I think sometimes like a higher score of a particular particular number may actually outweigh the actual cons of that particular food as well. So if you remember when we spoke about, um, when we spoke about meta-analyses and sometimes a single study can affect that forest plot pretty severely, mm. I'm worried that like uh, same thing might be going here. Well, what if... Um, like, what if uh, there's a particular food here in a category where the lipids are really, really, really high, but at the same time, so are the nutrients, so it might counterbalance that and throw something else off of the graph there. Yeah, sure. So that's something I'm yeah. concerned about as well. Um, another important thing, so look, if we go back to like um, claims from either side here as well, both sides are claiming that there's a conflict of interest and depending mm. on how far you want to take it, it does look like it is a bit suspicious on both sides. Uh, I mean, for example, like um, Tufts has received funding from like uh, pharma companies and there's also like food companies as well. Okay. Mm. But then the critique of the paper was also funded by like egg and dairy and meat industry. So if you want to play it that mm. way, you could say both sides have a bit of a conflict of interest here. Yeah. Now, that isn't to say that the... Um, the study that was crit- critiquing Tufts is straight away to be thrown out because that's not the case because actually the methodology is still is still there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You still get some yeah. use out of this. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is a fair critique of it, but it's just a case of it's hard to understand if the original paper, which isn't written very well, mm. is actually saying that, yeah, you we are comparing food groups because at one point it's saying that the whole point of it is that you're just supposed to compare similar foods within the groups and then again it's now saying oh we now have a total score it's um it's, it's a back and forth 
So it's one big hot fucking mess, as I said. Another problem I found with it is that people are, I don't think they even expected it to get to the place it's got to because people are misinterpreting what it even is. Like it's essentially a study testing an algorithm to see what it is. And then there's people releasing headlines saying food pyramid, government guidelines. It's not right. government guidelines. It's not a food pyramid. I will like, touch it's, on that. It's government funded. God, yeah, God. I will touch on that, but I want to quickly finish with one other thing. And that is Tufts have, uh, Tufts have admitted that like, you know, <laughs> They've said that basically the food compass on average works well across, in their words, thousands of food and beverage products. But there are exceptions. They have, a, I mean, I'll quote what it says here on their website. It says, um, as objective scientists, we accept constructive criticism and are using this to further improve the food compass. We are working on an updated version now. And that actually comes under, they've actually addressed that oh, on social media. Like basically you may have seen graphics showing certain breakfast cereals are scoring higher than eggs, cheese and meat. Did Tufts create those graphics? And yeah, they said no, but they did say that, you know, they're basically aware of the limit. Tufts are aware of the limitations of their study. They're not doubling down on it. They are aware of it. That's good. That's good. Yeah, they're being yeah. critical. They're critically thinking about their own paper, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much faith I could still place in an algorithm, but going back to your last paragraph there bill and that is about oh government backed this is where i have the major issue with people like joe rogan and all the other tinfoil hats etc is that they've made it seem like it's some government conspiracy that the government are interfering in like uh, food choices here and they've you'll go to the comments section you'll see oh they're purposely keeping us sick well first of all who the fuck are they who are you referring to when you say day aliens the mafia the illuminati the royal family harry and megan (laughs) The, 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 you know the great Jewish conspiracy Halfords who who the fuck are they the Germans yeah the Germans but no um, I mean in hindsight it's pretty obvious that they're referring to government because government bad and don't get me wrong government can be bad I mean fuck me we've only just crawled out of a war that has you know fucking had untold fucking lives lost the government have a lot less to do with the food compass than what you actually think so people in the comments seem to assume that, oh, the government are interfering with this food compass here. They're influencing it because they want to keep us sick or Big Cheerio or Big Honey Nut Loop or whoever else are behind it. They're very anti-meat. Actually, it's quite the opposite. It's actually studies like this that, will, that can actually affect government policy, which can be worrying by itself because, as we can see here, the food compasses are contradicting, concerning and pretty fucking shit, as you can see. So actually, we don't really want something like this to be influencing like food policies, but mm. it is quite the opposite from the government are funding this and are deciding to use this to control us. It's not the case. Actually, it's this. It's studies and papers like this and compasses like this that actually affect food policies. It's the complete opposite. But Joe Rogan being Joe Rogan, dog whistling, you know, calling these conspiracists, etc., uh, to heal, and it's. Yeah. It's all spiled from there. All you have to do is go to the comment section of the original post by Joe Rogan, and you. Mm. I don't. I don't need to fucking explain myself further. You can see with your own eyes what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, they want to keep us sick. They are trying to kill us. They want us to eat bugs. It's literally. It's not like it's taken over the the guidelines. Like obviously here we have the we have the guidelines for what you should eat, like the NHS guidelines for you know how much of each sort of nutrient you should have. Sort of you know you got the traffic light system, whatever. It's not like this compass has come out and America's gone. Oh, here we go. This is what you must follow now. You must follow this. You must eat these. It's it's just a paper. 
It's not guidelines. Um, I don't. I don't know how that spark. It's, it's all it is. That sensationalist headline has been given legs because people who are big, obviously, whatever you think of these these big people like Joe Rogan, for example, or this good ranchers company, whatever you think of them, they are big people of influence. They've shared this massive headline, and people these days do not look deeper. They look at the headline and they react. They react emotionally. They don't stop and take a step back and go look. What am I actually looking at here? They'll go, oh my god, they're they're trying to kill us, or they're trying to keep us sick, like you said, Tom. They've not thought about it. They. Does, is, is, this, is this government guidelines? Is this actually being implemented? No. No. If they've just looked at that, they would realise, oh, they're not, it's just, this is just a paper. This is just yeah. an algorithm that's been put together to try and see if yeah. we can make better food choices. It's just a suggestion, you know. So, and obviously yeah. it's, a shit, it's, a, it's a shit suggestion, but the amount yeah. of manufactured outrage directed at, you know, they are trying to control us. Once again, the elusive day, you know, it's, it's fucking infuriating and it's dangerous. If it was just like critiquing the paper, it'd be like, okay, fair play. Because it is fair play. Food compass is shit, you know, and it is confusing. And that's why actually I can have sympathy on both sides of the fence of the people that are talking about whether it's supposed to be compared or whether it isn't because it is simply confusing. But my issue is the dog whistling for like, it's a big conspiracy. They're trying to take meat away from the food. In fact, the Tufts themselves actually said themselves, and I'll quote it, you know, uh, Animal products like fish, yogurt, and poultry can be quite healthy. Other minimally processed animal products like egg, cheese, and unprocessed red meat are often fine in moderation. And other animal products like processed meats should be minimised. What's fucking wrong with that? What is wrong with that? I mean, we've spoken about saturated fat in the past, about how we kind of want to limit to like, what is it, 10% of our daily calories, which for the average, you know, person is going to be like, 25 or 20 grams or 30 grams of saturated fat a day this is just going off of that there's nothing wrong with that no one's saying not to well apart from the ethical conversation bill oh bear in mind like i have no stake in this whatsoever no pun intended (laughs) at my house i currently have a box of cheer a box of lucky charms on my cabinet but i also have a braising steak in my fridge ready to go in my slow cooker you have a box of lucky charms in your cabinet yeah how much money? How much money you got? They're fucking well expensive here, aren't they? It's like five pound a box. It was a Christmas present. <laughs> you got given Lucky Charles as a Christmas present. Nah, got it from B and M. But I'm not ready to shield for them yet. They're B and M. Yeah, they have jewel cereal yeah. as well. How much is it in B and M? Because it's always been expensive in like Tesco, like the American stuff. Well, if they were really trying to keep us sick, <laughs> um, you know, they would make it really, really cheap and accessible. Mm. So you know, big government is going against their plans, really, isn't it? Um, but yeah, going back onto that subject, like I haven't got a you know, bias either way. Admittedly, a little bit against Joe Rogan, but for all the silly tinfoil hat nonsense. And when you have that much of a platform as well, once again, it's what this is one of those rare issues where I don't even need to express my views on it that much. I can simply say, go to the comment section and you'll see for yourself what I'm talking about. The amount of dog whistling going on there. The circle jerk and the tinfoil hats and the weird fucking libertarians. You know, it's... Uh, it's it's fucking insane. It's insane. What's more disappointing though is that you're seeing people who are like also jumping onto this who should know better. Blue, t- I say blue ticks. Like most fucking blue ticks are fucking full of shit anyway on social media. Yeah, Superman. <laughs> but oh, he's a wanker anyway. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> he's one of those people that like strayed well out of his lane. Yeah, well. But out I of mean, lane. Um, yeah, like it's it is a it is a mess. This situation and it's bad that. 
some people are going loggerheads at each other in regards to the actual study, but I can see how it happened. And this is one of those times where I, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say, I'm confused myself. We've had like, um, we've had one of the researchers that was uh, Ty Bill, who was actually one of the authors for the paper critiquing it come forth and put up like a big Twitter post as well, like uh, loads of posts of like trying to clarify his position, etc. But if your position is based off of the current source material, which is the Tufts Food Compass paper, and that's already confusing enough as it is, it doesn't really clarify mm. for definite what they mean by comparison. In my opinion, I could be completely wrong. I simply don't mm. fucking know because it's so confusing. Point is, is if a food system like this is as confusing as we're seeing, essentially it should not be used until it's been clarified. Okay. Yeah. The fact that it's this confusing means it should be out of the cup, like we shouldn't be, we should leave, put it to one side, let them optimize it or if they need to do with it and then maybe revisit it. But there should be like an argument saying, oh but it's actually you can use it for this, you can use it for that. It's like it's too confusing at the moment to be used for anything, yeah. good or bad. Let's just park it to one side, let them deal with it. Because if it's this confusing for people who are actually clued up on it, it's fucking for the general pop, it's gonna be an even bigger fucking nightmare. But the, <laughs> I think the most important thing out of this is that it doesn't seem to be some kind of Freemason conspiracy. It's just a fucking... It's just, it's just a, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not, yeah. Fuck yeah. me. State of the world. I have nothing else to say on it. It's just depressing. <laughs> oh, Tom, it's not that bad, mate. It's only a food compass. It's only Lucky Charms. <laughs> but you see, this is, this is where misinformation, misinformation wins every time. And I mm. put up a story about this the other day, and it's that... Look at the conversation we've just had over the actual study itself. It requires cool heads to sit down to try to put your bias aside, which is extremely hard to do when you look at what's going on with social media with these other influencers and researchers and scientists, etc. It's very hard to put your bias aside. You know, it's hard to keep a cool head. It takes time as well. It also takes the skill to actually and the patience to know what is the actual source material and what is just like a shit fucking article based off of it you know it takes time to actually translate and try and find a nuance behind it whereas with misinformation spreads out someone could just simply post a picture you know canva graphic an inflamed article where it's like you know Mm. in fact let me read the fucking headline i know you said it earlier new government funded food pyramid in quotation marks says lucky charms are healthier than state straight away it's like it's something which you could look at it. in five seconds. It's done its job. It's enraged you. Oh, government. Ooh, mm. it's done its job. You know, you ain't got to look at the caption. You just move on. You've already taken in and soaked in that information and it's done its job. And it's a lot quicker mm. and a lot more emotionally engaging than actually having a discussion about it. And let's be honest, these kind of posts are targeted at a very specific part of the population. People that are already vulnerable to it. The word I use is people are belt fed by an algorithm, you know, and it's thankfully it's not the algorithm of the food compass, but you know, it's the algorithm of like you're constantly being bombarded because let's be honest, if you're already looking at that and thinking, oh my God, that's enragery, chances are you're already being belt fed by an algorithm where it's like Canaan conspiracies. Government want you to do this, you know. Yeah. DMT will open your mind, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is the most I've got emotional over something in so long. Yeah. I've been this angry in a while. Do you know what the irony of all this is, Tom? Go on. Back in the early days of the podcast, you were the conspiracy man. I know. Now, <laughs> and now <laughs> you've got 180 and you are attacking. But do you know what? If <laughs> I can break character 
for a single second. One of the reasons why I stopped doing that is because actually where I was kind of reading and getting my ideas from were actually based off of people that generally believed this stuff and it became upsetting and it was emotionally draining to think, fuck me, I'm going down a rabbit hole of like seeing how yeah. humanity has failed here. You are feeding yeah. the algorithm and then you are getting on the algorithm and you're getting fed more of it and it becomes, yeah, as you said, quite, yeah. quite damaging. So, yeah. Joe, what happened to me the other day? At the moment, my, 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 my oldest son is six years old at the moment and he's currently learning about the moon landing at school. So I went onto YouTube to show him some nice you know, video footage of Neil Armstrong land on the moon and it was fucking all conspiracy theories. Just, <laughs> I, all I would do is show a fucking video to yeah. my son of what you could consider man's greatest achievement in science. And uh, I was just getting conspiracy after conspiracy, you know, theory belt fed to me by an algorithm. But you know what they say, Bill? We live in a society. We live in a society. We um, do. Speaking of societies, we're going to move on to another society now. Guys, that is all the, uh, the news this week. However, before you do shoot off or carry on your drive or whatever the fuck you're doing at the moment, um, we're going to talk about another society, and that is our Patreon society. You know, echo what we said earlier. If you are enjoying the podcast and you you know you continue to enjoy it, if you want to do us a massive favour, and we will see you if you do decide to join society, we will see your name, so we'll know who you are, so we will be able to thank you for your massive favour, um, is if you do check out the link to our Patreon and maybe get stuck in at one of those tiers. Obviously, you'll get the stuff we spoke about earlier, you know, the video content, all the little extras, um, but you'd obviously be doing us a massive solid, helping us with the podcast to grow it even more, um, and it is obviously just very appreciated, so yeah. Head to the show notes, there's a link for our Patreon in there, or you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. patreon.com slash podcast. Check it out. Entry tier gets you access to pretty much everything. If you want to be like a super producer, like Colleen, obviously you can go to the next tier. You do get a little video from me and Tom as well. Basically like a cameo almost, but obviously it's me and Tom, so it's fucking 10 times better. But uh, yeah, you get that as well. So I have a little stuff as well. I can't remember what's on there, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but there's some, there's some stuff on there you can have a look at. So yeah, do us a massive favour. We really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure as always. And we will see you next week, same time, same place, for a brand new edition of the fitness news see you soon see you soon bye tom have a great evening <sighs> i'm gonna try i'm gonna grab my lucky charms now <laughs> i might have it with the steak actually <laughs> send them into <laughs> well, i'm gonna play both sides of the fence take a picture mate that'd be great content oh god yeah i, I wouldn't know who to tag you know general mills <laughs> or uh or, or, or liverkin <laughs> <laughs> oh god right see you later